I want to uh, have you go with me over to uh, Luke 24 for a moment. And uh, my intention was to share a message on uh, transformation through impartation, specifically the impartation of the Spirit of God. And just, uh, just as clear as I'm talking to you, I, I sense the Holy Spirit say, I want you to declare a month of impartation. Amen. And uh, the, the goal is that uh, every person associated with this ministry, from the youngest to the oldest, every single person is baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking other times before this month is over. Every single person. And, uh, you know, to do that, to lay a foundation, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word, to understand these things, especially in the critical hour that we live in. I will say to, to those the denominational leaders and, and those even within the Pentecostal charismatic realm that no longer emphasize these things because they feel like somehow they're dated or irrelevant, we have never needed the Holy Ghost more than we need Him now. And so in Luke, as Jesus was about to depart, he says in verse 45, Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, This is what is written, The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Shout that out, clothed with power from on high. The word impartation is important and it's not chosen by accident. We've talked to you about the processes that God uses to transform our lives. We talked about salvation and we talked about justification and adoption and redemption. We talked about sanctification. Look at somebody and say, by now you should be sanctified. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> But as a process, not just an experience, impartation is very important. Uh, and as I go through this message, you'll see where I'm coming from. Because I don't want you to reduce what I'm talking about to an experience you had in 1945, 1972, amen, 2010. But an ongoing process of impartation. To impart means literally to give, to convey, to bestow, to endue, to grant or to transfer something from one to another. In the case of the Holy Ghost, we're talking about the ministry of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to ascend what the Father promised. He, of course, is the conveyor, and you and I are supposed to be the receivers. Going to have an amen. The impartation or granting of the Holy Spirit is what we're talking about to the believer. Paul said this in Romans 1.11, and it reveals his heart in a very powerful way concerning these things. He told the Romans, he said, For I long to see you, listen to that urgency in his voice, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. He was longing to come and to do something. And I can tell you that I see this very clearly in Scripture. He's already dealing with people who are saved. This is the saved church of those that are associated with the Roman church. And he is, is clearly talking to people who are believers. What could he possibly want to do? I'll tell you what he wanted to do. He wanted to come and make sure every single one of them were baptized in the Holy Ghost and were operating in the gifts of the Spirit. You say, why? Because these things by his own teaching help to establish us. To establish something means to fix it like a solid, a column that holds up the roof of a house, or to brace 
or to shore up or to bolster, to support, to uphold. I tell you right now, the body of Christ needs to be upheld and bolstered more than ever before. We need, say it, thank God for the Holy Ghost. It fundamentally describes the act of adding strength and to, to uh, support to something that already exists. In other words, the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, these two things, the association of these two things, the immersion in the person of the Holy Spirit, His nature, His character, His power, His priorities, this is something that establishes us. So many are wishy-washy and flaky and up and down and in and out because they're not operating in a fresh daily sense of impartation in the things of the Spirit. What you had 10 years ago won't cut it for today. What you had when you first got born again won't cut it for today. And if you're like me, you grew up in a church where these things weren't taught at all and you've never been exposed to this, you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have little to no teaching, that's okay because we've all been there. I can tell you that He wants to impart like never before into your life and if you'll let Him do it. Amen. Amen. How many believe Him for it? The impartation of the Holy Spirit is designed to establish us, to fix us, to make us immovable, to help us be always abounding in the things of God. It's important you understand that when we talk about the Spirit of God, we're not just talking about what He can do, we're talking about who He is. The greatest relationship you can have on this earth right now is through the Holy Spirit, amen? Who, of course, is the Spirit of Christ. And so we talk about His nature, His character, His power, His influence. The, the preacher that you just heard describing the unction praying for a daughter-in-law I remember, I've told this before, that Kelly and I were coming back from, I think it was Clarksville, and we were coming back to Hopkinsville, on 41 North, and uh, we get up to about five miles closer to the town, and there is a red car turned upside down in the middle of our lanes, and a baby infant seat about 20 feet away, upside down. And uh, when I approached that baby seat, I didn't know what I was going to find. You know, praise the Lord, the baby wasn't in there. The baby hadn't yet been picked up yet. The remarkable story about that is the, uh, the husband's father, I believe it was the husband's father, wasn't it, Kelly? He's a preacher, and he had the same unction to intercede for her welfare by the Holy Ghost. Say it, by the Holy Ghost. Say it, thank God for the Holy Ghost. He knows things you and I don't know. He is not the water boy, the second-hand person of the Godhead. Understand what I'm saying. He is God, and He knows it all. Because He's God, He's all-powerful. Because He's God, He's everywhere present. Because He's God, He is all-knowing. And when you receive these things, when you are in part of these things, you are sensitized to be able to pick up those things like never before. You say, well, everything that happens is just God's doing. If, if the case of, of sovereignty were this, that everything that happens was God's will, then why would He impress upon people to pray so things don't happen? so critical to get a hold of this. Because when I'm talking about the impartation of the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about some mere experience where you broke out in tongues and that was the end of it. I'm talking about an absolutely earth-shaking experience that never ends in your life. That's some good news for you. Once the Holy Spirit moves into your life, He's never leaving. You will never, ever be without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, and forever. Let's go a little bit further into this. So we're in the month of impartation. How many of you get your faith up with me? Yes. We're going we're to end this uh, particular emphasis 
by giving you as parents and grandparents the opportunity to talk to your kids and bring them into this room to have hands laid on them. In a similar vein, years ago in Hopkinsville, I had 15 kids baptized in the Holy Ghost in one service. From 5 to 10 years old, something like that. He's no respecter of persons. That's something that you must take the time to talk to your child about because nothing will preserve and keep your child like the Holy Ghost. Timothy was baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues when he was just past two years old. It's real. Look at somebody and say, it is real. And he turned out okay. okay. Personal opinion. More than okay. Would you give him a hand clap and thank God for his life and ministry. So to, to really make sure that everyone is on the same page with this, I want you to, to read the narratives with me. And I'll just give you the scripture reference and you pull them up on your phone or whatever, turn in your Bible. And go with me over to Acts chapter 2. We're looking at what the Bible says about this, not what some doctrine book says about this, what some preacher who preaches secessionism says, but what the Spirit of God has given us. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus had told His disciples to wait, and here they are, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, and we're talking about 50 days since the resurrection. We're talking about nothing magical about that term other than the experiences associated with this, the outpouring of the Spirit of God. They were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them... How many? All. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, the other dynamics here, including not only a supernatural ability to speak in tongues, but a supernatural ability to hear. There are amazing things happening here, but I want you to see this is the Bible record. Everybody say it with me, the Bible record. The mistake of theologians out there and secessionists and anti-Pentecostals and anti-charismatics is that they assume that this is where people get saved. And this is not where the disciples got saved. This is not where they experienced salvation. These were saved people gathering together at the command of their Lord and Savior. They're saved. Go over to John for just a moment and look at this scripture and you'll see what I'm talking about. Those that were following Him closely on this earth, had an experience with Him that you and I now know as the new birth. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. In uh, John 20, verse 21, He's appeared to them again, and He says, Peace be with you. Don't you like hearing that? Yes. Do you know what the Lord's saying to you today? Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And He goes on, If you forgive any of His sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What happened here is they received the Holy Spirit at salvation. Now, how many would say you are, you've experienced the new birth, you're born again, you know where you're headed when you die, amen? Raise your hand if you know you're born again. You receive the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. But that does not preclude what the Bible teaches as a subsequent and separate experience known as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. How do we know this? 
if these are the same experiences, then why would Jesus give them the Holy Spirit in John 20 and then tell them to wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit be endued with power from on high? Separate. And this is not isolated. In the book of Acts, we'll get to this in a moment, when the Samaritans are, are born again, the apostles were sent down for the very purpose of what? Leading them into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why would you send them down if that's what salvation is? A salvation equals the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Same thing in Acts chapter 19. When Paul ran into some Ephesian believers along the way, he asked them, have you, been, you, know, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? You know what they said? They said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Well, then whose baptism did you have? He said, well, John's baptism. He told him that's a baptism for the remission of sins. They were baptized in water. He laid hands on them and they spoke in tongues. Amen and glorify God. You see what I'm saying to you? This is not an experience of salvation. And if you've been told that, I'm sorry you were told that, but let the Lord open up your heart and your ears and be taught of Him. I didn't write these scriptures. But I will tell you that consistently the book of Acts tells us of a story of an empowerment that we don't get because we're just born again. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want to craft my theology to protect myself from an experience. I want my theology to spring forth from the word of God, allowing me to take everything he died to give me. This is not some teacher or some theologian telling us to wait and telling us to be baptized in the spirit. It's Jesus. You claim him as Lord, then obey him. Can I have an amen? amen? It's very important you see this. It just doesn't stop there. He, we found out uh, in Acts 4, they're, they're, they're filled with the Spirit again. They're empowered again. I want you to go to Acts 8 and look at the story of the Samaritans with me. When you're there, see I'm there. Thank you, Father. Verse 14, great revival going on, miracles going on, salvations going on. In verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they what? They're getting saved. When the apostles heard that they had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they arrived, they prayed for them to get saved. No. To receive what? To receive the Holy Spirit. Then Peter and John placed hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given to laying on of hands, as, as he offered them money and said, Give me this ability so that everyone whom I lay my hands on will receive the Holy Spirit. A couple of interesting things here. It seemed like to him that everybody they laid hands on was getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. The sorcerer said, you hear what I'm saying to you? This man says, everybody's getting it, and I want that power too. Well, that's the wrong motive, isn't it? My point is, he, he witnessed something that told him they received when hands were laid on them. Now, we know from context and from Scripture, that thing is the ability to pray in a language you never learned. I bind up the shame over tongues in this nation in Jesus' name. It is not going to be put up with anymore. It is not a curse. It is a blessing. It is not of the devil. It is of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And you should praise God for it. Those days are over. The day we're in, we're going to need it more than ever before. 
I can tell you what that pastor for that young lady that we found in the middle of the high was praying. He was praying in the Holy Ghost. I can tell you what that man of God was doing. He was praying in the Holy Ghost. I can tell you what his friend was doing. He was praying in the Holy Ghost. And yet here comes the shame of the world and religion. I am telling you, you've been robbed long enough by religion. You have been stymied long enough by false doctrine. It is time for you to step up and receive and walk in everything God has for you. And while I'm dealing with the shame, let me deal with the fear. It's not a bad thing. God's not going to bite you or spook you. He's going to bless you. I think it's telling by the, by the testimony of Simon, everybody's getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes I just get cracked up, amen, at the Word of God. It's so plain. You're not, you're not going to believe Jesus? Okay. Not going to believe his apostles? Fine. How about Simon? You're going to believe him? He was there as a witness. Go to Acts 9. I love this too. In verse 10, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man, Tarsus, named Saul, for he is praying in a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Now we're talking about God trying to send Ananias to a what? To a man who's already saved. You have to understand that when he fell under the power in the presence of Jesus Christ, he said, why do you persecute me? And he says, Lord, he's already born again. He's not sending Ananias to get the man born again. Read on with me. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. And I, I have a feeling it wasn't go. No. I have a feeling it was go. <laughs> like Moses, let my people go. The man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went. And here's something the Holy Ghost is saying. He was afraid for his very life, for the persecution that was laid down against the churches. But there are people in the body of Christ that are spirit-filled. And you're afraid to talk to the neighbor. You're afraid to talk to the boss. You're afraid to talk to the doctor. You're afraid to talk to the lawyer. You're afraid to talk to the judge. You're afraid to talk to the worker. You're afraid to talk to somebody because you think it may somehow offend them or make you look silly. We bind up that fear in Jesus' name. Amen. If Ananias can do it, then you can do it. Amen. Amen. That was pretty weak. I'm going to try that again, Jimmy. If Ananias can do it, then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, oh, Brother Saul, he's already saved. Brother Saul, I've come to get you saved again. No. Brother Saul, <laughs> you got to love this, this story. And Ananias went to the house, placed his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. And he got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. He gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. He gets a physical healing. He gets a, a devotion to follow the Lord in baptism. Understand what's going on here. You say, well, I don't see anything about tongues. Paul said by his own mouth in 1 Corinthians 14, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. He said, I will pray in the Spirit. I'll pray in the understanding. I will sing in the Spirit and I will sing in the understanding. This man was born again, amen, spirit-filled, tongue-talking on fire for God. Got saved with Jesus on what? The road to Damascus got baptized in the Holy Ghost at the hands of Ananias, the servant of God. Two different experiences. Amen. One is salvation when the Spirit of God comes in to abide in you. One is the impartation of the Spirit of God, the immersion in His person, His character, and His power in you and upon you. And you know how blessed we are to be able to do that? Amen. Let me explain the way I see this. There is a power of volcanic level on the inside of you. And right now, so many have like a little puff going up. <laughs> Amen. Acts chapter 10. Cornelius is inquiring of the man of God. The man of God comes. And he begins to speak in verse 34, chapter 10. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear Him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with Him. We are witnesses of everything He did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed Him by hanging Him on a tree, but God raised Him from the dead on the third day and caused Him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with Him after He rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that He is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets testify about Him that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. How did the Jewish circumcised believers who were now saved in Spirit-filled know this happened? For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Come on, shout it out. Speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They receive the Holy Spirit just as we have. He just equated the experience Cornelius and his household had with the experience he had in Acts chapter 2. They get saved under his preaching, and then they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Go to Acts 19. How many raise your hand and say, I'm tracking with you, preacher, I'm tracking with you. Come on, say, I'm tracking with you. Acts chapter 19, if you're raised like I was, you really come to appreciate this scripture and this narrative. In verse 1, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. 
You found some what? Believers of Christ, self-disciplined learners of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are already disciples. He did not need to get them saved. There he found some disciples and said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, What baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance and told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they, plural, spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Acts chapter 2, they all are filled with the Spirit. Simon's perspective, they all got the Holy Ghost, and I want that kind of power too. The disciples, all 12 of them, all received. This is the foundation of why we believe that there is salvation and there is an empowerment for His people. And one is, you and I can't live this life without that power. Are you here today? Amen. Now, what I want to do is make sure in, in this session that everybody understands the nature of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, not from some doctrine book, but from the Word of God itself. Everybody say, thank God, thank God. for the Holy Ghost. Say, uh, what about your own experience? Well, I was raised Lutheran. Everybody say, God bless the Lutherans. Don't decry it because I was given a moral compass. Catechized by not telling me what not to do, but catechized by the pastor telling us what to do. How to positively apply the Ten Commandments. I took, I took communion when I was 13 in faith believing on the, in the Lord Jesus Christ, but none of these things were taught publicly. But, uh, you know, I found that when people go through tough times or challenging times, they either turn away from God or they turn to Him. And I've, I've talked briefly, you know, uh, in this church, you know, scattershots about, you know, my career as a... Uh, as a swimmer, just to let you know that people I train with every summer, for example, one of them held the world record in the 50-meter freestyle for about six or seven years. Uh, four or five gold medals, several silver, several bronze. These are the people that I hung out with. And uh, there was one year, there was only one person in North America faster than me in my particular event. One. Everybody say one. And I'm sure I could have beat him if we ever raced together. <laughs> I was from the Midwest. He was from Mission Viejo. We never crossed paths, ever. And uh, you have to understand the work that goes into this and the discipline that goes into this and the dedication that goes into it. And it's not something somebody can give you. You either have it or you don't have it. You don't get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and get in the water, then go to school, then come back, get a snack, go back in the water for a couple hours, then get your homework done, do it all over again, and do this for a total of about 12 years. Um, you hear what I'm saying to you? <laughs> and uh, we started this journey when I was about, uh, you know, eight years old, and my dad would load us into the Chrysler, and I remember how terribly cold it was. 
to get into a car at, uh, you know, 5.30 in the morning for a six o'clock drive, you know, between their, you know, Marion, Illinois and Carbon, Illinois. <laughs> and uh, I remember him cranking the, the heater that never got warm until we were almost there. <laughs> and there was him, and then I was sitting next to him and then my two brothers and we were on our way to practice. And he, he did this, you know, day after day until we finally moved over there for athletics and he would drive back to go to work. But... Um, that's where I learned that, that a, a man's understanding of a healthy breakfast is not the same thing as a woman's understanding of a healthy breakfast. Uh, you say, what do we do? He, we get in the car, he hand us a ding-dong. A ding-dong. Breakfast of champions. Ding-dong. Kelly brought some home for uh, Juliana a few weeks ago, and I noticed that the ding-dongs must have gone through, honey, I shrunk the ding-dong, because they were like just... Now I realize that when you grow up, you think that your school was really big, right? Your house was really big, your perspective. Is, I'm pretty sure that's not what happened to me with these ding-dongs. I really think <laughs> these, they would have taken four of those ding-dongs for the one he gave us. But that's what it was. And uh, about, about 16 years old, I contracted several things, lung infections, you know, mono, several different things. And... Uh, Literally a serious situation because I had a swollen spleen because of that. I was falling way behind in terms of competition. And I dealt with this for an entire year. And the doctor gave me a shot of penicillin in my rear head and put me back in the water. And I relapsed. I should have been on that national platform. I should have been racing with those people that were in the, you know, the world championships and the U.S. trials and the Olympics. That's not what happened. Instead, I felt sickness for two years. And I can tell you something about track stars and other athletes and swimmers who, who have the Epstein-Barr virus, which is really what causes this thing, and, and several different variations. Um, you, really, you really can't get that edge back once that hits your life. It's very, very dangerous. I've known many who did. At that moment in time, you're thinking, okay, this is what I was going to do. This is the plan I have for my life. Am I going to turn to him or away from him? So three days before my high school graduation, my sister, you know, began to uh, talk to me a little bit about this. And uh, she handed me a little bitty book that I've given to many of you called Receive You the Holy Ghost from John Osteen. I read that. And she just looked at me and uh, she said, uh, would you like to receive the Holy Ghost? And I said, yes. And she laid hands on me and nothing happened. And that's when I became acquainted with her bony finger. She pointed that bony finger at me. She said, I mean, almost like clockwork, you're bitter towards the Lord about some things, aren't you? And that moment in time, I just, you know, just began to cry big crocodile tears. And I said, yes. And uh, not understanding how the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I was laying at the Father's feet things he had nothing to do with. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And so... Uh, I repented right then and there. She laid hands on him again. And boy, I started sounding like a little Japanese kid. Amen. I was fluid as you could possibly be. And I was never the same. He filled me, delivered me. Amen. That night I was healed. Never had another problem with that thing physically in Jesus' name. To this day, it's not affecting me ever again. Amen. I, in retrospect, I kind of feel like I got the same kind of dose that Paul got that day. Just go ahead and take care of everything. He has the power to do that. Within uh, being baptized in the Holy Spirit a month, I laid hands on 12 other people who all received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One young lady that worked for mom used to ride her bike every day from downtown and over to where we lived on the west side of town. 
And uh, she said, I, I'm, just not, I'm just not praying in the Holy Ghost. I haven't got prayer language. And I said, guess what's going to happen? You're going to ride home today and the Holy Ghost is going to hit you, amen, and you're going to look crazy out on that bike, riding your bike home, just a blabbered in the Holy Ghost. And guess what happened? That day, she got nailed <laughs> and was never the same. Remember Tracy like it was yesterday on mom's staff. What I'm saying to you is it's, it's real. And at that moment in time, there's nothing I needed more than the reality of the Holy Spirit and His ministry in this earth. And there's some sitting in this room right now, you're the same way. You've lost dreams. You've had setbacks. You've been tempted to turn the other way. I'm telling you, don't turn the other way. Press in for everything. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, realize there's still more yet. If you've never been, don't put up a little religious stop sign. Just put up, that's not the way I always heard it. Just receive from God and be blessed by it. Because it rocked my world. Amen. Amen. In a lot of ways, saved my life and certainly saved my destiny. I just want to encourage you today that as you listen to these scriptures and get this foundation, because that's what today is about, a foundation on the impartation of the Spirit of God, let it minister to you. Go first over to the book of Joel, if you would. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2, verse 28. Joel. But it's all good if you just want to read your way through it. Amen. Well, Joel 2, verse 28. And afterward, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. So today, if you dream dreams, you're old. If you have visions, you're young. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now what you're, you're seeing here is a prophetic statement about what is to come. It's you know, fine for us to make that association, but what's really important is letting Scripture measure Scripture. In Acts chapter 2, You found it, say amen. Peter is preaching. <laughs> In verse 14, there's always that crowd, they don't understand, they're making fun, they're throwing rocks verbally. These men are just drunk with wine. They must be serious alcoholics because it was only when? Nine o'clock in the morning. And Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And I hear the Holy Ghost saying the same thing today to those here. Listen carefully to what the Word is saying. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. I tell you that's what it means in Joel. That's one thing. But when Peter tells us what Joel meant, 
In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I'll show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The connection between the impartation and the heart of God to save people. Are you here today? What's the first point? The first point is, and these are several it is statements, meaning the baptism. It is the fulfillment of prophecy. Every person in here ought to want the fulfillment of that prophecy in their own life. Every single person. Number two, it is not salvation. The baptism is not salvation. We see in the uh, scripture in John chapter 20 how Jesus breathed on them, and we know they were saved then. Go to Acts chapter 1, if you would. Turn to somebody and say, I'm not letting the devil talk me out of anything anymore. I want everybody to say, I'm not letting the devil talk me out of anything in Jesus' name. In chapter 1 of Acts, Jesus, of course, is approaching ascension. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, who is he saying, saying these things? He's saying these are teachings of Jesus. How many would say, Jesus is Lord? But Jesus would say, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, the apostles he had chosen after his suffering, he showed many of these men and gave uh, many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You who are already saved will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority. Can I have an amen? amen. And some kook tells you when he's coming back, just go the other way and say, bless them, Lord. As they say in the South, bless their heart. <laughs> but don't buy into the nonsense. Here's the emphatic truth. It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by His own authority, but you will receive power. That is your, your business. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after He said that, He was taken up in a cloud and hid from their sight. And how many know He's coming back? Amen. The same way. Amen. In the meantime, we should be about our Father's business. So take these down. Number one, it is the fulfillment of prophecy. It is not salvation. Number three, it is a command to be obeyed. If I just teach, well, these things have passed away, then I'm out from under that command. But if you're honest with the scripture, you will know that it is not something that's the great suggestion. The same Jesus who said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, commanded them to wait in Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. 
It's not an optional thing like whether you have an MP3 player in your car. You need the power of God in your life. Number four, it's a promise to be believed. Not just a command to be obeyed, but a promise to be believed. Do you believe? Do you believe what he has said? Do you believe what Luke recorded about the experiences of the baptism? Do you believe the teaching of the Lord? Do you believe the prophecy of Joel? Do you believe what God has left for you and for me? Number five, it is a gift to be received. Amen. Say it, it's a gift. It's a gift. Just like salvation. Amen. And you receive it the same way. With gratitude and thanksgiving and faith. It is a gift to be received. Number six, it is an empowerment to be used to live and to spread the gospel in your world, wherever you're at. Power to live this life. You can't do it on your own. The impartation gives you the power to live for the Lord and serve Him in a dark place. To give you power to share your faith and to tell people the truth about the things of God. And number seven, it's, it is for all who have accepted Christ. How many? Are you seeing a pattern in Scripture here? Reading more from Acts chapter 2, and Peter is continuing to preach. Verse 36, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. He's telling them in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Get saved. Amen. Experience the new birth and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. It's His will for every person that ever gets born again, amen, under this dispensation, it's His will for them all to receive, and it's available. It doesn't say anything in there about it just being for Pentecostals. It doesn't say anything in there about it being just for Charismatics. It doesn't call out just the Catholics or the Lutherans or the Methodists or the Baptists. It's for all. And when you get a revelation that it's not just some little religious thing or that group over there practice that stuff and they're kind of weird over there and they kind of they speak in tongues and, and run around the room and swing from the chandeliers. Not in this church they do. No chandeliers here. You have fun up there, amen. <laughs> if you manage to get up there, I'm not coming after you. <laughs> you use your faith to get up there, you can use your faith to get back down again. It's like a cat. <laughs> but to see the broader scope of this, there is supernatural power on the inside of the spirit-filled believer. Yes. That power is witnessed on the day of creation. You sing about it. the spirit of God was hovering over the, the face of the deep. And what happened is the word began to go forth out of the Father's mouth and the agency of creation began to go. There is on the inside of you creative power. Yes. 
Well, I just got a goosebump. Somebody laid hands on me and I spoke a few syllables in tongues. You're missing the point. He put his creative power on the inside of you. You are problem solvers out there. You have things you can do in this life to make life better for yourself and those around you. There's power on the inside of you. Do you see this? The same power that was released when Moses parted the Red Sea is in you. That's what's imparted to you. No, no, thank you for the Holy Ghost. See my bow tie, tie my bow tie. Praise the Lord, I'm one of them. You may not have a red seed apart, but I promise you this, miraculous power is needed in you and through you in your life. There was a fire by night and there was a cloud by day and his name is the Holy Ghost. And guess what? When you receive the baptism, it's here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have reduced this down to its lowest common denominator. And God has tasked me with you having a revelation that you have been imparted with the very miracle working power of God when you receive the Holy Ghost. There's someone who calls the water to come out of the rock and supplied manna. There was somebody in the lion's den who took away the lion's appetite for Daniel meat. (laughs) It wasn't a sword and a lantern in the hands of Gideon's 300 that defeated the enemy. The power that won the day is in you right now and we want to reduce it to either nothing or ignore it. You're never going to have 300 guys. I don't care how big of a crash it made when they threw them things down. That's right. There were singers at the front of the column in Jehoshaphat's day when he was dealing with a you know, conglomeration of enemies that wanted to wipe him out. And they sang the praises of God. But guess what? The same Holy Ghost you receive when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the one that won that day and routed that enemy. Amen. Nothing has changed. Amen. Saul killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands by the power of God. Samson defeated his foes by the same Power. Jesus multiplied the loaves and fishes by the same power. Lazarus was raised from the dead with the same power. And if that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will give life to your mortal body. It's the same power. Well, praise the Lord. That's not what my preacher always told me. You know, it's a good idea for you to go back to the Word of God. Amen. Be respectful, kind, and loving towards all those that have ever served you. It's not time to vilify anybody. But it's time to ask God for revelation just how big this is. Jesus walked on water by the power 
that's inside of you right now. Jesus cast out devils by the power that's on the inside of you right now. He opened up blind eyes by the same power that's on the inside of you right now. He caused those that could not walk to walk. The, the temple gate, you know, you know beggar was, was given his healing back because of the same power. It's in you. Every person in this room in the day we live in ought to want desperately everything God has for you. Amen. Amen. And when we get to, uh, into the, you know, the heart of this message, we'll, we'll talk about the amazing benefits of what happens when you receive this in your life. But I just kind of want to encourage you, don't be denied. Amen. Make up your mind. You're going to receive it. Yes. Amen. Amen. And I just want to encourage you that uh, there's a, a place that you can receive in church, there's a place you can receive by your bedside. Yes. You can receive it in your car. Yes. Young man in our church years ago got himself all kinds of trouble, and eventually he was locked up. And uh, his parents said, would you mind go visit him? And I said, okay. I'm like, okay, well, what does, he, what does he need? And the Lord said, what he needs is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so I go in there right here at Callaway County, and he's on the other side of the glass. <laughs> and uh, he picks up the phone. He's very gracious. I pick up the phone. And I said, you know, um, you know why you're here? And he says, yes. And whenever somebody doesn't care about the fact that other people are listening, you know there's a move of God in their life. You know when they don't care what the lawyer told them, you know there's a move of God in their life. And I said, you know why you're here? Yes. I said, uh, hey, have you made peace with the Lord? Have you rededicated your life to him? Yes, I have. I've been reading the Bible. I've been praying. I said, well, I came over here because the Lord told me that you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Would you like to be baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? And he said, yes, I would. I said, I'm going to pray. I said, I'm not the baptizer. Jesus is the baptizer. But he tells us in John chapter 7 that um, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me, as the scriptures have said, rivers of living water shall flow from what? From his belly. And I just explained that to him, that I'm not the baptizer. I'm just pointing you to him. He's the one that actually does it. But I'll pray for you. He said, would you like to be prayed for to receive that? I said, yeah. I said, just pray this with me. He said, Lord, baptize me in the Holy Ghost. He said, Lord, baptize me in the Holy Ghost. And so I said, I said I'm going to pray for you. And I said, Lord, baptize him in the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, the power of God hit him so powerfully. It knocked him back on his chair. He dropped the phone, burst into tongues on the other side of that glass. Several years later, his, his mom got word to me that he's just doing phenomenally. And she said, it all traces back to the day that he received the power to live that life. Yes. Say it with me, born again, born again. and imparted. And Say it, born again, born again. And, imparted. and imparted. And you can't have the impartation if you're not born again. Right. Amen. <laughs> so I want all over this building just to bow your heads if you would for a moment.